Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. All creation praises the Lord, and as we praise Him, part of that praise is to confess our sins before Him. That's part of our act of worship. Mark 4, verse 26 is our call to confession this morning. Hear God's Word. Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Thus far the reading of God's word. It may seem like a strange call to confession there, but the point is that the kingdom of God bears fruit, right? There's a harvest that's coming. And we are the harvest. We are the ones who have been planted. We grow by the word. And in the season of Pentecost, that's what we're focused on, growth in the season of Pentecost, leading up until the harvest when God brings us to his home. So in the season of Pentecost, the question for us is, are we growing? Jesus gives detailed description there of how the corn grows. And we're called to focus upon our growth in the Lord. How are you growing? Are you growing? Uh, That's the question for us today. So with that in mind, let us confess our own sins before Almighty God. Please kneel if you're able. And there's a prayer of confession printed in the bulletin this time. That we'll pray together. sermon text, we're turning to the Gospel of John. Instead of Samuel, we're going back to John, John chapter 13. And let's pray before we read God's Word once again. Heavenly Father, we come before you again in this act of worship uh, to read your Word, to hear it preached and proclaimed. Help us to worship you faithfully uh, as we read and as we hear. Uh, Help us, uh, Heavenly Father, to have our thoughts in accord with uh, your entire word. Help us to give glory to your Son, Jesus. Uh, Give us your Holy Spirit to understand uh, this word in our minds and to be convicted in our hearts. Uh, Have this word permeate to our uh, fingertips that we might act upon it and live out this word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's read the first 17 verses of John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, And that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. 
After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. God's people said, Amen. Well, after 12 chapters of Samuel, we now come back to John after having done 12 chapters of John maybe a year or so ago, and uh, come back to chapter 13. Part of the difference, the the reason for the change, is the seasonal change, right? Labor Day is a a traditional change to the the fall season. But we're still, as I mentioned earlier in the service, in the same liturgical season of Pentecost, a time of growth in the Spirit uh, until harvest. And that's what uh, Jesus' teaching in the upper room in the next few chapters actually deals with. He speaks often of the Spirit, the Helper who comes to us, who He will send. So, for the last half of the Pentecost season here, we'll be uh, considering the Spirit and our growth in the Spirit. Uh, Remember that these chapters in John, John 13 to 17 especially, are not found in the other Gospels at all. Uh, The the foot washing, uh, the way, the truth, and the life, uh, all of these uh, teachings are unique to John, and it's a, a precious Uh, portion of scripture that we're coming to here. So the main point in this first half of the first chapter is that Jesus must wash us, right? Jesus must serve you. I I made the the sermon title. That's the bumper sticker uh, idea today. If Jesus doesn't serve you, then you are lost. Jesus must serve you. We must be washed clean at the cross. We have to follow his example of humble service as well to each other. So let's uh, delve into this verse by verse a bit. The, the first five verses are kind of a unit, and you have uh, one run-on long sentence there in verses 2 through 5. that gives the context of Jesus and also of Judas, what's going on. So uh, here in uh, this f- few chapters, you have a lot of teaching, a lot of words, uh, right, that Jesus gives us in the upper room. Uh, and what he does before that is he uh, performs this, um, I won't say shocking, but uh, Peter's shocked, right? The, the shock isn't so much the action, as we'll look at in a few minutes, it's who's doing it, right? It, J- Jesus, the greatest of all, wouldn't be the one to perform this menial task, but he does anyway. 
So Jesus does this, uh, it seems to me, and, and other students of the Bible have pointed out the same, to, to get the disciples' attention. Because they are preoccupied. If you look back a chapter or two, you remember at the end of chapter 11 it tells us that, that the Sanhedrin have a warrant out for Jesus' arrest. That's how we'd put it today, right? And if anybody knows where he is, let us know because we want, we want to take him into custody. Uh, that's the end of chapter 11. Uh, they're also plotting to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus in uh, chapter 12, verse 10. And they're excommunicating anyone who sides with Jesus openly. Uh, that's uh, verse 42 of chapter 12. So, which, by the way, the way we put that today is called cancel culture, right? That, that, that's not a new thing. Uh, they were doing that to the followers of Jesus right from the beginning, putting them out of the synagogue. Uh, so the disciples are very preoccupied with all this. Right? They're on edge, they're nervous, it's Passover time, Passover week, and yet uh, they're preoccupied. Jesus, uh, and, and I think we're uh, in a similar kind of boat these days, we are today preoccupied with masks, with cu culture wars, and so on. And we need to be reminded of what's really important. Uh, I've found so many of my conversations even pastoral conversations, uh, get wrapped up and almost predominated by things like masks and politics these days. Uh, these things are not everlasting. They're not all that important. Jesus knew what was. And he knows, by the way, verse 1, what is co what's coming. Jesus knew that his hour had come. Right? Jesus knows that it's time. He's going to give the, the bread to Judas and, say, and, and, and expose him as the betrayer, send him out the door to go uh, to the Sanhedrin and tell, him where, tell them where he is. This is his hour, as he puts it. Uh, Jesus knew what was coming and when. And I'd like you to think about that for a moment, what a burden that would be to know that. I don't know, if you think of personal tragedies that you've had in your life, I think of uh, the, the accident of, that my niece was in uh, this uh, about a year ago now. Uh, what if we had known that was coming and we couldn't stop it? Think of how life would have been the week before that, how life would have been the morning of that. What if we had known that was going to happen and, and, we, and there was no way to not have it happen? What a burden that would be to go through life like that. None of us have that. God has graciously uh, relieved us of that burden of not knowing what's coming. We often think of it the other way. We want to know what's, we, we want to predict the future. We want to know what's coming. Well, often it's a good thing we don't know <laughs> because that can be a real burden. And Jesus uh, shouldered that burden. He knew what was coming. And yet, he loved his own to the end. Verse 1. Uh, and that means not just uh, to, to the end of his course, but he loved them to the uttermost. Um, he loved them perfectly, is the idea. Uh, he also loved his own. Jesus is speaking to this specific group of 12 uh, extensively in these chapters. That's an exclusive kind of thing, and Jesus was okay with that. We, we believe in what's called limited atonement, definite atonement, that God uh, went to, that Jesus went to the cross for a specific group of his own. He loved his own to the end. That's what he's doing here, and, and we're, in, we're among those people. Uh, Jim Boyce puts it well. He says, God has done, done some things for all men, but he has done all things for some men. 
And that's, that's uh, helpful uh, to keep in mind, I think, when we think of common grace, right? God's done some things for everybody, but he's done all things uh, for his own. So Jesus has this in mind. His time is here. He's loving his own. Uh, he's uh, considering how to love them in this moment, uh, just before the cross, when they're preoccupied with other things, not knowing what's coming. He knows. And then he has Judas sitting right next to him at the table. Judas, and the contrast couldn't be greater here. Uh, uh, Satan has entered Judas. He has put it into his heart to betray him. And Satan uh, is the one, his, his viewpoint is, I'm going to exalt myself and put down others. Uh, Jesus' viewpoint is, I'm going to humble myself and let God vindicate and exalt me. It's the total opposite. And there you have uh, the two of them sitting at the table, Judas and Jesus. That's the contrast. Uh, verse 3, it, it's, it basically says, and it's up to Jesus now. The, the ball is in his court, right? Knowing the Father had given all things into his hand. Uh, it's, and it's time now where Jesus dramatizes for uh, the disciples the character of his ministry. And so he gets up, takes a towel, and starts washing their feet. Wow, that, that, that's such a, uh, a shocker, right? You would think after that great buildup of the, those three verses, it's time. And, and, and Satan is, is at hand, and God's given Jesus everything. So you'd, you'd expect this great, amazing miracle or feat of something that Jesus would do. Instead, he, he takes up a towel and he washes their feet. This, this was the most, one of the most mundane and routine of all actions. Well, we're in a different world today, a modern world where we don't have open sandals in a hot, dry, and dusty land like they did. Uh, but their feet would get dirty very fast. You had to wash them more often than the rest of your body. It was a common act of hospitality. And we saw that in Luke 7. Uh, Jesus mentions that to Simon, the, the Pharisee, who has him over for dinner. Right? This is one of the normal things you do. It's like us uh, taking someone's coat when they come over for dinner. Let me take your coat. Right? That's, that's a normal kind of thing you do. Uh, get them a drink from, from the kitchen. Uh, that's the kind of act that this is. It's very routine. It's very um, mundane. And it's also done by the, the lowest in the pecking order. Right? You, you wouldn't, the, the head of the house wouldn't do this himself. He would have, some, have a servant or someone, one of the children or something else, someone else do this, uh, not him, himself. Uh, so there's two things unusual about the custom here. It's not the action that's uh, remarkable. This would, as a matter of course, in the evening be done. It's, it's that Jesus is doing it, the master, the rabbi. And he says that later on in verse uh, 13. You call me teacher and Lord. Yeah, so Peter's objection is understandable. We don't want our teacher and our Lord to be washing our feet. How does that make sense? And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to explain to them. Another thing remarkable about this is that it's done at the end of the meal, uh, when supper is, is done. Uh, and the custom was to do it at the beginning, right? When, they, when you first enter the home, when you first uh, come in and you're kind of settling in, uh, that's when you, you would... Uh, have the foot washing happen. Uh, we're not sure why this is. I, you, you, people speculate about this all the time. Uh, I tend to think that it, it, this is because none of the disciples wanted to do it. 
right? I mean, they're always arguing about who's the greatest. So they're not going to willingly take the lowest place. There's no other servant there probably, so this is, it's up to one of them to do it, and they're just kind of looking at each other, and nobody really wants to do that dirty, uh, menial thing. So Jesus himself uh, takes the towel and does it. And, and again, it's an unusual thing, foot washing. We don't do this today. Think of a similar act today. It would be helpful to think about changing diapers, giving your child a bath, uh, having people over, making them dinner, serving them drinks. Uh, the, 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 these are similar tasks, tasks that take a lot of work. It's a humble task, cooking and cleaning, uh, washing dirt off of somebody else's um, feet. It puts yourself in a vulnerable position. It, it, you, you admit that you're, that you're willing to be lower and less than others. Uh, it might get germs. Right? There's all kinds of uh, ways to uh, consider this as a humbling uh, posture. And Jesus takes the towel and he does it. So that's the context, and that's the action. Uh, and then Jesus comes to Peter, uh, and Peter objects, uh, of course. Uh, Peter would object. It's, it's, um, he's always the outspoken one, right? He's always the one who's going to say the thing out loud. Uh, people uh, say that about our president these days. I think that's uh, a very similar kind of personality. And Jesus, uh, Peter, says it out loud. It, why are you washing my feet? That This is totally out of place. You're the Lord. You're not the one who is the servant. And that's the very message that Peter needs to hear. Again, Jesus is acting out the whole character of his ministry. The whole reason he came was to serve us, to do something so dreadfully awful and painful and humbling that we needed to go to the cross. And we need that. And so Peter, uh, Jesus points that out to Peter. He says, if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. Uh, Jesus needs to clean us. He needs to give us uh, the bath. Uh, so uh, Ryle puts it well. He says, the love of Christ to sinners is the very essence and the marrow of the gospel. The love of Christ to sinners. And that's what Jesus is acting out here. Humbling uh, love, willing to humble itself and uh, do the cleaning that we need. Uh, and Jesus has uh, such patience and compassion here. Uh, this is also from Ryle. He, Jesus loves his disciples, he, even though they're going to abandon him in a few hours. Right? Jesus knows all this is coming. They're going to run away from him uh, to save their own skin once Jesus is arrested. But no, Jesus bears with our countless infirmities from conversion until death. This is Ryle now. Uh, Jesus will, will never be tired of our endless inconsistencies and petty provocations. He'll go on forgiving and forgetting incessantly and never be provoked to cast us off and give us up. It's marvelous indeed. I think um, parents of little ones have some kind of inkling of this, right? We know uh, our patients being tested uh, when kids do this uh, same irksome thing over and over and don't seem to stop, right? Jesus will never reject any servant because of feeble service or weak performance, Ryle says. So again, Jesus knows everything. He, he knows these men, uh, their weakness, their preoccupation with uh, silly and side things. Uh, when the cross uh, sits before him in, in just a few hours. And he gets down on his knees and he washes their feet anyway. 
So uh, if you are not washed by Jesus, you have no part with him. Just like we need a daily shower, we need daily renewal, forgiveness, fellowship with Jesus. Uh, that's what it's all about. Uh, part of Peter, uh, Jesus' answer to Peter also in verse 7 is, uh, you're not going to get this all right now. Uh, what I'm doing now, you do not understand. You will know after this. Uh, that's a big pointer to the cross, right? This foot washing is happening in the shadow of the cross. Uh, they wouldn't understand what this was all about until they realize that after the cross, oh, Jesus did these things for us. The foot washing is, is a strong picture uh, of the crucifixion. It, it's, uh, it's not as painful, but it's, uh, it's not as humbling, but it's both of those things. It's done for our good. Uh, the cross uh, atones for our sins. So we have this uh, foot washing that Jesus does. Uh, also, verse 8, as Peter continues to object, uh, Jesus, uh, Peter says, his response is, well, wash all of me then, right? And Jesus says, it's okay, I just have to wash your feet. That's all it takes. Uh, Peter, again, going overboard, always overboard, Peter, right? Uh, well, and this answer seems kind of strange to us. I have always thought since I was a child, this is a strange answer. It's like, really, I only have to wash my feet when I take a bath? Okay, that's great. We've got Jesus' own word on it right there. Well, the, the point is the custom of washing the feet, right? That, that was the, the, the standard custom that you do. That you, do. you wash the feet only uh, because that's the part of you that gets dirty walking around uh, in a dusty land. So uh, the point for us here, I believe, is that we have to let Jesus wash us, cleanse us his way, right? We have to let him do it his way. We don't want him to go to the cross. Peter says the same thing to him earlier. And when Jesus talks about the cross, he, Peter says, no, don't, don't do that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? It's the same thing. Satan, when he tempted Jesus in, in the wilderness, he, he tempted Jesus to do it a different way. Right? Well, you can, I know your father has promised you glory, uh, but I'll give it to you all right now. You know, do it, do it this way instead of that way. It's the same goal. Get, get the glory this way. This is a lot less painful, a lot easier. Just bend the knee to me. No. We have to let Jesus do it his way. There's a lot we could apply that to uh, today. Uh, one... Um, uh, just a kind of a big picture for us today is uh, God has given us as Christians in this season of Pentecost, when we grow, God has given us a certain way to grow. He's given us certain tools by which to grow. Means of grace, we call them, right? He's given us his word. He's given us fellowship together. He's given us the church. Uh, these are God's tools uh, for us to grow. And we're always uh, looking for some other way, some more exciting way, right? Israel did this right off the bat in the wilderness. Uh, they wanted uh, something that they could see, something that was glitzy and flashy. And so they put a golden calf together when Moses is up on the mountain, right? And, and they talk about worshiping God, Yahweh, uh, and, but they wanted to do it another way, right? This is why God gives us the second commandment. Uh, don't make any graven image. Worship me my way. Use my word. This is what we're supposed to do. do when, when we want Jesus to cleanse us, sometimes we try dictating and, and we say, well, it's got to happen this way, Lord. Uh, or we want to have a, a flashy uh, sound and light show in, in our worship or whatever it may be. 
Let Jesus cleanse you his way. Well, Jesus then sits back down and he uh, explains what he has done. And, that, and this is really where the upper room discourse, they call it, begins. You, you, you see what I've done, right? You call me teacher and Lord, and I've washed your feet, verse 14, so you also ought to wash one another's feet. He comes right out here and says, verse 15, I've given you an example. Do what I just did. Do as I do. Right? This is what rabbis would do. They would lead by example like this. And the, the disciples would follow and copy the rabbi. And this is what we're called to do here. N- not literally to wash one another's feet. That's not the point. Uh, the point is to serve one another practically, humbly, doing the, the menial, lowly tasks that need to be done without thinking of our position, our pride, uh, but simply serving and loving one another. This is humility. Uh, love puts on the slave clothes. Love rides on a donkey. Right? Jesus comes lowly, riding on a donkey, as the prophet said. That was less than a week before this. Uh, Jesus laid aside his dignity and his glory, Philippians 2 says. He, he didn't think it was uh, robbery. He didn't think it was blasphemy to consider himself equal with God, Philippians 2 said. It, because he is. <laughs> the, whole, the, the wording is a little contorted there, but the whole point is Jesus was perfectly fine and justified to consider himself equal with God. He is God. And yet, in spite of that, uh, he laid it aside. He laid aside that dignity, that glory, uh, and humbled himself, even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And that's what Jesus is showing us here as he washes the disciples' feet. And we aren't greater than Jesus. That's the rest of his explanation, verse 16. The the disciple isn't greater than the rabbi, than the master. So if if Jesus washes our feet, now we know what we have to do, right? We we may not consider ourselves greater than that. We shouldn't consider that, well, I don't, I'm in a, a prominent enough position that I shouldn't have to do X, Y, or Z. Uh, no, Jesus has washed our feet. Jesus has gone to the cross. What, what shouldn't we be willing to do for one another, for our Lord? And there is deep joy in doing that. That's the last verse of our text as well. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. There's deep joy in serving others. Even though it's a lowly thing to do, it puts you out of time, maybe of money, uh, whatever may be, uh, there is deep joy in the service uh, of others as we uh, serve our Lord. So Jesus washes uh, the disciples' feet. That's the beginning of this upper room uh, discourse. It, it sets the whole thing in context. Uh, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you. you. You need to get the dirt out of your lives. I'm the only one who can do that. That's what Jesus is saying. So every, everything else, all, all that we see in Jesus' teachings, uh, it's, it's all given to us in the context of sacrificial serving love. And that's an example for us. One last comment, and I'll quit. Um, the, the, the verse 15, I have given you an example. 
uh, the last two, three hundred years in, in church history, uh, modern liberalism has attacked uh, the doctrine of the divinity of Christ and the atonement of Christ. And they've done it with the example idea. They've tried to replace Jesus as, as Savior, as atoning sacrifice for our sins. And they've tried to say, the cross is really just Jesus showing us what we ought to do. Right? There's no wrath of God that Jesus pays for on the cross. That's all the attack. And the way they do that is they try to replace it with example. Jesus is a great example that we ought to be like. Right? So what it is, it's a half-truth. And so much of modern liberalism and Satan's lies generally are half-truths. Right? It is true that the cross and, and the washing of the feet here is an example for us to follow. We ought to be willing to serve others as Jesus did on the cross and in the upper room. But, it's, but it's, that's not all, right? And so you'll find uh, many uh, faithful conservative believers who have uh, fought, uh, who are veterans in the wars against liberalism, uh, who sometimes will... will um, cringe and, and shrink back from this kind of language. And we ought not to shrink back from it. Some will, will go as far as to say Jesus is not an example for us. Right? They, they overreact because of all that uh, liberalism attack. And they say Jesus is not an example. He's our Savior. Right? The cross isn't, a, isn't an example. It's Jesus did something there. Well, Jesus did something there, but it's also an example. And he says so right there in verse 15. Uh, we have an example in Christ. We have other examples in Scripture, good and bad examples, for us to follow. Uh, scripture is uh, filled uh, with uh, wisdom and guidance for us in living, as well as it also reveals to us, recounts for us, uh, the event uh, of our salvation at Calvary, which we're coming to in the Gospel of John in a few chapters. Well, uh, I'll uh, stop there, but uh, in close, Jesus needs to wash us. Jesus needs to serve us, or we have no part with him, and then we are lost. So let us uh, allow the Lord to serve us, to feed us, to cleanse us, uh, and uh, praise him for it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise for your willingness uh, to humble yourself to such an extent, uh, from such a position of glory, uh, equal with the Father and the Spirit from all eternity, and then entering your creation, uh, becoming a carpenter, a builder, becoming uh, one who serves and who wipes the feet of his own creatures. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your willingness to give of your Son to do this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for illuminating this text in our minds and to our hearts. We ask, Lord, that as we consider the washing of the disciples' feet, that you would give us wisdom and give us a heart of service. Uh, that seeks to uh, put others before ourselves, uh, that sees uh, what needs to be done for others and willingly does it. Uh, we ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, the ever-living Word, and we sing as He taught us to pray.
as I said in the message, Jesus must serve you or you have no part with him. This is partly why we are going back to distributing the Lord's Supper to you. We are saved by a righteousness that is not our own, that comes to us from somewhere else. We don't have it, and we have to be given it, and it enters us and becomes a part of us. It's given to us by Jesus. And in the same way, this bread and wine represents our salvation, Jesus himself. It's literally handed to us. We don't earn it. We, don't, uh, we can't get it for ourselves. So take and eat. Take and drink. That's the idea. So the spirit and the bride say, come. And all those baptized in Christ's name and in good standing with his church are welcome at his table. The body of Christ broken for you. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.